It's not Gauntlet. It's not Gantlet. It's Dungeons on the Coco Show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Coco Show. I'm full of charisma and booze. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're talking about dungeons. <laughs> yes, we are. You know, Aaron, where do you stand on cool guy style? Like when you're spelling out a game title like that, is it is it good form to misspell a word on purpose, slap a Z at the end of it, and call it a day? You know, when you've got a a, a name like Dungeons, right? I mean, you got to think this game's pretty old, but the original, right? And they spelled it this way in the original, mm-hmm. so. I'm going to go on the assumption that Cool Guy Style was barely a thing, you know, back mm. in those days. Although it did exist, because I saw Cool Guy Style in the BBSs. So I'm going to give him a pass. But when you put a bunch of extra J's and Z's in there, that you're pushing the, you're pushing the envelope of what's acceptable, Boat. It can be taken too far, is what you're saying. Well, I mean, you could put some... The, the thing is, here's why I didn't gong this thing. There's no numbers in it. There's no emojis in there. There's no, like, weird symbols. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There's no poops. Poop emojis, so it's okay. Thank God, thank God, those were invented. By the way, my kid's got them on his wall. He thinks they're great. I'm like, you realize this is poop on your wall? Like, why would you celebrate this? It's excrement, it's waste. The body rids itself of it. You know, I don't know. Now, when you were a young lad on the BBSs today, did you ever play any of those door games? Tons of them. Oh yeah, tons. They were often set in dungeons, correct? Well, yeah, occasionally, yeah, you would have some in the dungeon, sure. Really? So were, there yeah. were other places they were set besides dungeons? I like how you said they were often in dungeons, and when I said they were, you were stunned that you actually were right. Yeah, they were. You, They were usually like sort of like Zorky, you know, texty-type things that you would go through. There weren't a lot of door games in the early days that had any graphics at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I do recall some sort of like... Uh, uh, you know, keyboard character style games where you would move one, you know, one square at a time, stuff like that. But the, I like the space stuff more when I was playing. You, know, you were more of a sci-fi games. guy. Were there sci-fi muds back in the day? I never played any muds. Really? You know, I, I mean, I, I mean, well, I guess cause I, I used to play like Space Dynasty, Trade Wars. I guess you, you know the Chud muds. got real into muds, right? Well, muds. I think the difference between like a mud and like a, a, a like a, a game like Trade Wars is that you can't, you couldn't have multiple people playing Trade Wars at once back in the old days or Space Dynasty. Where in muds, you could have pe- multiple users playing simultaneously. Right. So that that time. came along later in the BBS scene than you were. Well, you. I think I think the Chud played those on the internet. Frankly, oh, they were on the, the real internet. It wasn't. There were just not very BBS. many BBSs locally that had like mo- you got to have multiple phone lines. Think about right. it. So yeah. you, sometimes you can play games with the guy that ran the BBS, a sysop. That happens sometimes, but normally when you call it, it's like three in the morning. That sucker's probably in bed, and a lot of times sysops just watch you. You know, like mm-hmm. like uh, Odin looking down on his subjects. And if you step out of line, they slam the hammer down, you know. So, but they do, you remember, do you remember an all-time great door game victory you had? Yes, I do. I was playing Space Dynasty, and there were these... When you attacked other characters, or, and sometimes there were these guys called Mercs that flew around, and you had to outnumber them to, like, get a leg up on them. But when you attacked them, they would, like, basically join your side. And it was awesome to get, like... I remember one night, I'd get, like... I was getting 10,000 ship 
uh, uh, batch as these guys to come join me. I mean, when you, you could get super epically powerful in that game, and you're running the entire universe like the Empire, and that was, it didn't happen very often, but the few times it did, it was a real good feeling. Mm. I never played any of those because you know BBSs were before my time. I feel like I, I was left out of a sort of an epoch of gaming history because those are hard games to come back to. Certain yeah. sort, certain retro games are easy to come back to. For example, Dungeons. But, you know, door games. First of all, are there any places to play door games online currently? Oh, yeah. There are tons of BBSs that are actually, you can play them on the internet. And then there, mm. there, there's been a trend recently uh, where it was BBSs coming back out to, on the phone lines, which is interesting. Uh, you know, I've tried to get back into them. There are plenty of ways to do it, including using stuff like the Mr. or Raspberry Pis. Or, you can, like I said, you can use your regular computer. But you're right. It's tough to go back. And if you live through them, it's almost like going back to, like, using, like, a telegraph or something. I mean, like, you know, I'm playing, like, I know, crap online that looks like it, Top Shelf Graphics, GTA or whatever, Dead by Dawn, uh, or Dead by Daylight, something like that. That just looks like playing a great game. It's, everything's on there at once. It's hard to go back and play something like Pimp Wars or something on the... <laughs> On the BBSs, that's all in text, and it's it's super silly. You know, it's a it was a game of its ear. I know some people can do it. I I have not been able to get back into them. I'm afraid. Let's talk about dungeons, Aaron. Good idea. But first, are you ready to take the plunge into the exciting world of the Tandy Color Computer? Have you tried emulation and found it to be confusing and unreliable? The hell is Bitbanger? It's time to get yourself a real Coco and get yourself over to RetroRewind.ca to get it out with everything you need to enter the Coco universe. The Coco SDC is the fastest, easiest way to jump into the nirvana that is gaming on the Tandy Color Computer. A preloaded SD card is already included, so just pop it in your Coco and away you go. Pick up your Coco SDC at RetroRewind and be sure to use the promo code AMIGOS10 to save 10% off the already low price. Thank you to RetroRewind.ca for sponsoring The Coco Show. That's a pretty good solid Coco noise right there, Boat. I want to say that that's probably the best Coco music outside, you know, for the, uh, the you know, the Coco 1, Coco 2 era I've ever heard. I do like Anchors Away and that Battleship clone an awful lot. That's a pretty good one, too. <laughs> I just say my, my favorite part about the Battleship clone is when it uses the cartridge return function. That thing it is just, great to relay. That yeah, is, that yeah. is awesome. But we're here to talk about Dungeons, spoke cool guy style. For you at home, that's D-U-N. J-U-N-Z, Dungeons. Mm. Uh, so this is an interesting uh, game, uh, Boatster. Uh, this is uh, was ported over by a guy from the BBC Micro by a guy, I'm going to try to pronounce his name, Ciaran uh, Ascomb. I, b- I believe right he's here. also in charge of the ships of the Grey Havens. Okay, I don't know what that is. What is that? It's a, it's a Lord of the Rings reference. Oh, Sorry. I didn't get the, it. The name of the ship, right? So. Now, the original version of this was on the BBC Micro by Julian Avis. Uh, this got the uh, port over in 2017. Now, Ascom uh, is the same fellow behind 
Uh, the emulator X-Roar boat. He's the guy. So oh. this, he actually ported us over to play well, X-Roar. You know what I think about X-Roar. <laughs> so, yeah. So hopefully he won't watch that commercial we just ran. Um, which, I mean, the, by the way, uh, any Coke emulation is okay by me. So it's funny, Boat. In the past couple months, we've looked at a few dungeon crawlers, including uh, Gauntlet 2. And a game like Dungeon that appeared way back in 87 on the BBC Micro, I actually took the concept of a gauntlet into a, a weird new uh, area boat because everyone knows the bit in gauntlet, right? You pick your character, and then all, and then you get three buddies together, and then the four of you roam through gauntlet, the, the many uh, dungeons of gauntlet, but y'all have to stay on the same screen. If anybody gets lost, it's a problem. So someone was like, oh, yeah? Let's do it this way. And they made a game where you could literally have four independent screens with each character having their own screen. They can go anywhere they want in the dungeon boat. Kind of a unique concept and something you wouldn't think about for a system that is this old. Um, so let's get into it here a little bit, boat. Again, this was released in 2017. This uh, will work on a Coco 1, 2, or 3 with 32K of memory. Uh, and you can use the joystick if you want to, uh, boat. So when this thing pops up, what was your? You know, it comes up with a with a lovely uh, theme there and a nice uh, a nice opening screen. What did you think about this when it popped up? Oh, I thought it was great because first of all, you get a, an actual music track that plays at the beginning. This yeah. is like a legitimate piece of music, and then you get a screen that explains exactly what your the characters are. And exactly what you use to control those characters. Yeah. Uh, for a four-player game, that's essential because you've got you've got four players that are all crowding around the keyboard, uh, and then you've got one that's using the joystick, obviously. Um, and uh, to me, this is an opening that all Coco games should emulate. Every single Coco game should open up with a song, and then they should open up with the controls. If they did yeah. that, they've accomplished their mission. Yeah. I want to talk about the opening uh, screen here. Uh, the con where you configure your players. They've got an interesting way of doing it. It lists the four different players. You've got a ranger, a magic user, a barbarian, a fighter. And then you've got, you can activate whichever controller you want them. To, you could, Basically, they're all assigned a controller. And you basically check off whichever controller you want to play them on. It's great. Uh, so Right. It, I mean, it's, it's straightforward, I guess is the best way to put it. You've also got a difficulty uh, setting, but the thing I thought was interesting was the video mode. I wish every Coco game had this too, because it's got two different NTSC video modes, a PAL mode. It's like, and it's got like, I think it's like a total of like four video modes you can go through to sort of customize the color palette to the way you like it. Did you, did you have to look through these at all? Or did you just I, you know, I, I didn't because NTSC one worked perfectly, so I didn't yeah. investigate further. Yeah, I looked. I had to look around to see if I could find one that I liked better, you know, or worse. But and I, I could see how you could use any of them, so they're very helpful. Uh, this thing actually has a story behind it, but if you go back to the old Beeb, I looked into it here. So, long story short, uh, four heroes have to recover the Chalice of Binding and save the world. Uh, Max Scrain, the great demon, has hidden it deep in the dungeon's complex. They must battle it out against bashers, find treasure, magic, adventure, and death. To help in their quest, the gods have given the four heroes extra powers. The ranger uses a bow, and his quiver has the power to produce unlimited arrows. The wizard has been taught how to cast fireballs. The barbarian's axe can clone itself. 
Always good. And the warrior could draw an infinite number of swords from her sheath. Yes, the warrior is a woman. Kind of cool there, Boat. Um, and then you go go through 25 levels. Now, as we mentioned, the screen on this is quite interesting. Now, if you play four players, you're going to get four independently quartered parts of the screen. The screen is made up of these four squares, and on the side of the screen, you're going to get your your character's uh, health points. The what They call carrying. it the HUD. That's right, the HUD. Exactly, Boat. And you also get, uh, like, if you're carrying keys or whatnot, it'll show, it'll show them over there. And now, the the downside of this boat is that uh, to make all this real estate usable, they have to make everything kind of small. Uh, so when this thing came up and you started playing it, what did you think about the way it renders the play field, the size of the characters? Did you run any problems with the size of this thing? Well, I knew immediately what they were doing. I mean, yeah. they, they were trying to overcome the problem that Gauntlet has, which the Gauntlet has the problem of whenever you're playing a two-player game, uh, you are stuck with wherever the player, both players have to be on screen at the same time, which means that you can't physically move forward past the player that's furthest behind. Uh, you get this a lot in a lot of different games, and a lot of fighting, or a, a lot of beat 'em ups, or like this too, where you can't move forward unless both players sort of move forward together. And so, in this game, they were trying to break through that by giving you a split four screen, you know, quadrant where you can you can travel about freely, you can go wherever you want to go, and you can explore on your own without having to drag the other player behind you. Yeah. It's it's interesting to me. Now, I I, I will say I played this uh, alone, uh, but the one thing, and when you do play it by yourself, you actually sort of you actually take up the squares are still there, but they actually sort of parrot what's going on. It's not just four blanks, three blank screens, and you. You actually can sort of see other parts of your dungeons. They actually sort of use the other panels when you're playing solo. Uh, when you go through this, though. Uh, once you get used to the actual size of everything, it actually makes ton. They make everything pretty obvious, frankly. I mean, if you want the truth, you can see what keys are. You can see the magic weapons. You can tell when stuff will hurt you if you run into it, uh, and it works pretty well. the The enemies are. You don't have as much room to make them really intricate. You know what I mean? But you can tell what they are, where they, uh, what they're doing. Uh, there are uh, a lot of stuff in this. I mean, there's, it's not just like a couple. They could have really cheaped out on this boat. I guess what I'm saying. But there's a lot of magical stuff in this. Uh, aside from you know what you start with, you've got magical swords, magic helmet, boots of speed, potions, uh, and, and lots of keys. The keys kind of threw me off because you really have sort of a white and a blue key. But they even if you have, like, say, a blue key, it won't necessarily open the blue door or the white, say, the white key. Sometimes you have to go on and get and and get through other parts to open the doors in certain areas. It's kind of confusing at first, but once I understood the game mechanic, I didn't have much of a problem with it. Uh, the game, the game is interesting in that, much like the original Gauntlet or Gauntlet Two, uh, a lot of it comes down to how they've designed the dungeon. And the, the, the dungeon design is pretty clever. Much like the gauntlets, you're going to see areas that you can't get to. You know, and you're going to have to figure out how to get to them, what area unlocks the door. You're going to be able to bypass areas you don't want to go to to get out the exits. How, how did you fare gameplay-wise on this thing, Bode? Well, it's really hard to say. This game doesn't exactly give you a, a, a good indicator of how far you've gotten 
as you move through this because you're essentially just you know moving through doors, unlocking doors, and moving on to new areas. Um, what I will say though is that I I really like several things about this game. You look at this game and you think, oh, it's a Gauntlet clone, but it's really not. Uh, this game does a lot of things that Gauntlet doesn't do. Like you said, it offers you a great amount of of power ups that are unique and interesting. Uh, the key system is cool. You basically have one inventory slot, so as you run over one key, the other key gets dropped. Um, so it's yeah. it, it makes it easy to switch between keys when you need to pick up another key. The thing that I really enjoy about this game, and maybe this was seen as a limitation of the Coco at the time, but it actually worked out in its favor, was that the game does not absolutely overwhelm you with enemies. It's not like Gauntlet, where the enemies just sort of rain down on you until there's no way out. Uh, this game, it, there are a lot of enemies that come that, that you have to defeat, but it never gets to that overwhelming stage. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, I think I think you nailed it. I, I don't think that first of all, I don't think that would have worked in this game. Because you're working with a lot less real estate than you are in Gauntlet, but I, uh, there was probably some limitations to the amount of guys you can have in the scrim, and you get some. It's not like you only have one; you get mm -hmm. multiple. But I mean, I don't mind that, uh, to be honest with you, because you're really confined. There's a lot more. There's a lot less open space in this, you know. And when you come to a big room, it's actually kind of wacky, because when you think about a large black space that you're in this room if you go all the way to the top of the screen that space may continue up to the next screen you know it may it may move up to the next screen so you can have a real epically huge chamber hallways may go up past where you can see them and then stop you know and so they, they use that they use that aspect of the game pretty well because basically all four of the scores i guess we should mention this you're like playing basically four different flip screen dungeon games here every when you're playing it does, there's no scrolling it, it does flip screen to the different screens so that that's actually works in the game in the favor of a game like this because they can construct pretty intricate mazes and stuff and I can even see a point where you would sit down and kind of map this out a little bit, uh, try try to find your way through. I never found the levels. I, I didn't get super far into the game, but I got to like the third or fourth level. And you, when you go through, uh, you after a while you get used to the level. There's a lot of backtracking to try to find keys to get to places you can't go. Uh, this game is not easy, is it, Boat? I mean, I thought it was even on the easy setting. I thought it was pretty difficult. Uh, you can lose health quickly. There are certain areas you go through there, like I guess, like traps, and like you can get your health sucked down real quick. It, uh, uh, if you're not careful, you're right. You're not gonna get overran by people, but after you get your health ran down, it doesn't take much from the attacking bad guys to like take care of your character. So I, I found myself a lot more mindful of my hit points in this than I would be in like a gauntlet, which is a good thing because I've this, as far as I know, there's no continues in this. When you run out of health, you're done. You can get uh, you can get food and drinks to up your health. I mean, and so they're vital in this game. They're not going to be inserting any more quarters in this. I mean, you're pretty much stuck with whatever power you had. And so when you when you get down to like single digit health points, you're very careful as you work your way through this dungeon. This thing also has the exact same sort of thing that Gauntlet does. It's got the uh, it's got the uh, generators that have that bring the bad guys out. Uh, so, I mean, they didn't reinvent the wheel here, uh, but, they, you know, I think what they did was a nice spin on a classic, and in, in some ways, I think I like this more than a, a Gauntlet game, because I think it's more geared toward home play, where you're not going to keep feeding it in cores. What did you think, Bode? 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that this is basically they've they've taken the the initial idea for Gauntlet and they've said, okay, what can we do to make this interesting for someone that has an unlimited supply of quarters? Because that's really the only challenge in Gauntlet is how much money is in your pocket. In this game, you really have to keep track of where the keys are, where the doors are, and where the exits are. And so, and the probably the the biggest problem that I had with this game is the lack of scrolling. You know, I, I with flip screen games, we run into this a lot with the ZX Spectrum too is that you have walls that don't look like walls because you've just hit the edge of the screen and then you have yeah. walls that are walls. And if you're trying to make a mental map, of course you can get out a, a piece of graph paper and you can graph this bad boy out. And I'm sure that everybody that was successful playing dungeons, that's exactly what they did because you have to, that's how you get through the game. But if yeah. you're just trying to make a mental map, you really want to see the blocks that, that form the edges of the screen on all of the screens where the, the walls are, but there are some walls that are just the edge of the screen and that's it. And that, that was frustrating. Um, of course, the other big thing is that it really would have been nice when you're playing a one player game to have use of that whole screen area to play, you know, but yeah. of course that, that was done with, with a per, and I'm sure that it would have been, there, there were reasons why this was done the way it was done. Um, and to get the most enjoyment out of this game, of course, you want to be playing with two, three other people so you can get that, that full experience. Now, what an experience that would be when you have two players with two joysticks, the other two players crowded around the, the keyboard. I yeah. mean, it doesn't it doesn't seem like you could have too much more fun than that when you can get four players around the Coco and you're all trying to work together to make your way through this dungeon. We should mention that two of the characters, the Ranger and the Magic User, are basically hardwired. They're all sort of hardwired to a controller, sort of like Gauntlet 1. Mm -hmm. The reason right. for that is the, Absolutely. Uh, the, those two characters use magic. So they need access to the extra buttons, basically, to make the magic work. It works out fine, because you don't have to play them. You can always play one of the other two characters on the joystick, which I, I end up playing the joystick characters. Uh, this got updated. Uh, by the way, I got a lot of this information from L. Curtis Boyle's uh, fantastic Coco game site. If you haven't been there, just trust me, just Google Coco games. It comes right up. Uh, but uh, according to Curtis, this thing was updated in, t in 2018, uh, where they added the mul that multi-voice uh, sound if you've got 64K and up. But get this boat. This is wacky. Uh, another update for this uh, has it running on a Coco 3 with a Game Master cartridge, which has a sound chip in it, which allows you to play the title music with just 32K if you've got the uh, Mega chip. Now, we've, we've actually talked about the Game Master cartridges. I don't know if these things are even in wide release. I've never actually seen one in person. But I guess uh, I guess he's supporting it now. We know some other guys that have done games on those, so I guess you can get them somewhere if you look around. But if you've got 64K, you don't even need it. You can just you can get the full voice for it. So that's kind of a neat option that he's thrown in there. Uh, but overall, I, I enjoyed this. I think it's a, quite a technical achievement to have the Coco playing a four-player multi-screen game with simultaneous play. I mean, if no matter how you slice it, it's you're playing four people on the screen simultaneously. Pretty impressive, isn't it, Boat? Absolutely. I mean, I can't think of any other Coco games offhand that support four-player simultaneous play. Yeah. Uh, I took a quick look at the uh, BBC uh, micro version of this alongside the Coco version. And you can see there's not really... I mean, it's a very faithful uh, port, Boat. Absolutely. Of course, you know, the BBC micro 
is a, a league or two ahead of the Coco in terms of technical specifications and price. So yeah. it's going to give you better graphics. It's going to give you better music and sound. But the dungeon, I mean, the Coco port is, like you said, it's incredibly faithful. And it's so awesome that we're able to play this classic on the Coco slash Dragon uh, thanks, to the, thanks to this guy. Yeah, I've I got to give him credit. And, of course, also credit for his incredible incredible emulation package but yeah this stands up well and if you're watching at home really that you've got multiple palette solutions so you could pretty much make your cocoa experience look almost identical to the bbc if you took the notion boat uh so because you've got those options in there which is nice um this game doesn't get talked about that much uh online i found i had i had to make this footage i couldn't find any lengthy footage of it uh on youtube i was surprised i'm and i never heard of this game I was real surprised that it hasn't gotten a lot more uh, action uh, than it's gotten because I think this would be a winner. Maybe this might be one we drag out for Boat Fest next year. Yeah. That would be kind of fun to get four people uh, huddled around this thing. Did we uh, get any Discord action on this thing, buddy? May have a go at this? We did. Our first review oh, comes from uh, Pajaco6502. He says, The author has done a very admirable, jo admirable job of porting the original game from the Acorn computer version and colors aside, it plays very similarly and runs at a fair pace, too. I love the whole idea of four simultaneous players crowded around one machine, and for some of us, this would have been as close to Gauntlet as we got at home. Everything feels quite claustrophobic, and exploring can be trial and error, as there are exits to other screens that you can't always see, so only wall-hugging or watching where baddies appear will help you. The key system, however, bugged me, as trying to work out which keys go to which door leads to a lot of backtracking, and when you can only hold one key at a time, it's easy to accidentally swap out for another key you walked over and end up not knowing which key you are currently holding. I've done that before. Yeah. However, I played several games despite this, so what the heck do I know? If top-down dungeon crawlers are your thing, you might get a kick out of this one. 7 out of 10. He's got a valid point there, Boat. That, that is one of the... If I, if I had to point out a flaw, the key thing, you could swap. I mean, it just flips back and forth real quick. I wish there was a sound note there and maybe a second break when you went over one key. And it is a pain to try to get the right keys. That can be real frustrating and confusing. He's, so that's a, that's a very good point there, Boat. L. Curtis Boyle writes, I concur with everything Pajaco said. The key system is the weak point of the game. The strongest point, and an advantage over Gauntlet, is that players can wander the maze independently. Other players aren't trapped on the same screen waiting for stragglers to catch up. The disadvantage to this approach is that each player sees far less of the maze than a full screen style game like Gauntlet. But I prefer this approach versus the trapped player model. It should be mentioned that the game can run in 32K rather than 64K with music and the special Game Master cartridge version, where you can burn onto a ROM, where you can burn it onto a ROM for the Game Master cartridge, seven point five out of ten for me. And finally, Exile in Paradise writes, "Dungeons. I've played this less than I've studied it. Sixty not only made an emulator and an assembler, but also an entire game port worth looking through to learn lots about mapping, sounds, title screens, loaders, multiple versions, and more." That said, the finished game is a lot of fun solo and more with friends. Others have talked about key quest backtracking, and maybe I am just used to that for the, from the games of yore. How far back and forth did you go in times of lore, for example? My main girl is sometimes fighting with controls to try and react to the surprise guy who jumps me from the sides. I really need to level up in spot checks, I guess. 
I can only assume it's faithful to the original, which speaks pretty well for it because this game is a lot of fun. Sixie even went all out with the original presentation, tape with insert, and all worthy of being in any Coco or Dragon Owner collection, and one of the games out there which takes advantage of add-on sound for the Coco and Dragon for period-correct sounding music that we all wish we'd had back then. I'd give it Flobble out of Wamba Stars because I am terrible at game review reality. Dungeons. Get it? Play it? Play it with others. A definite must for Dragon Meetups and Coco Fests. Thank you guys for all your reviews. I think that's a nice way to sum it up, but I enjoyed this one, and I will be uh, exploring it further because I like I liked flip screen dungeons, and uh, I might have to load this one up with the boy uh, at some point in the near future. Definitely something I'd try at Boat Fest next year, Boatster. Oh, yeah. That's all we got on that one, Boat. All right, well, we'll see you guys next time, and until then, all hail. L. Curtis Boyle. Oh. Um, um.